We're looking at Luke chapter 23, beginning in verse 53, continuing on through Luke 24 and through verse 12. This is the inspired word of the living God. Then he took down and wrapped it in linen shroud and laid him in a tomb cut in stone where no one had ever been laid. It was the day of preparation and the Sabbath was beginning. The women who had come with him from Galilee followed and saw the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and ointments. On the Sabbath, they rested according to the commandment, but on the first day of the week at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, and when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. When they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and crucified and on the third day rise. They remembered his word and returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna Mary, the mother of James, and the other women with them who told those things to the apostles, but these words seemed to them as an idle tale, and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves and went home marveling at what had happened. And on this Resurrection Sunday, the grass continues to wither and the flower continues to fade, but know not the word of the Lord. It stands forever. Amen. You may be seated. Two thousand years ago, Jesus led a movement that changed the world. It wasn't unique to lead a movement two thousand years ago. There were plenty of revolutionary movements that were sweeping through Judea and the surrounding regions. And one of the ways that Rome settled these movements was by executing the leader. You executed the leader and then all of a sudden the movement stopped. It worked every single time except for one. When Jesus was executed, instead of ending the movement, within 300 years it had spread throughout the known world. And 2,000 years later, it is the greatest movement this world has ever seen. Amen. The question is why? Because of the resurrection. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, it led to the greatest movement This world has ever seen. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the cardinal truth for the church. Our faith as Christians rises or falls on this central cardinal truth that Jesus 2,000 years ago was raised from the dead. It is the foundational event in human history. In fact, it's the most documented event in ancient history. Why? because it changed everything. And more importantly, it has the power to change you this morning. 
Very briefly, looking at the text I just read, I want us to look at three paradigm-shattering truths concerning the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because of the resurrection, we can believe in the death of death, that hope has been restored, and we can believe that grace has been confirmed to sinners like us. The death of death, the restoration of hope, and the confirmation of grace. Let's study these three paradigm-shattering truths together this morning. First, the death of death. Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, do not miss this, death has been destroyed. The Jewish people 2,000 years ago didn't practice embalming. And so, rightfully so, the women, we read at the end of chapter 23, prepare spices for the body of Jesus Christ to properly honor their Lord and their Savior. But what would the spices do? The spices were used to hide the smell of decaying body, to hide the smell of death. 2,000 years later, we are still trying to do everything possible to hide the stench of death. 2,000 years later, we don't use spices, but we cover caskets with flowers. We decorate tombstones and gravesides with ornamental flowers. Why? To hide the ugliness of death. And that is why the women 2,000 years ago rushed to the tomb of Jesus Christ to cover the ugliness, the stench of death. But when they came to the place of the dead, they were greeted by the good news of the angels that declared what in verse 5? Why are you searching for the living among the dead? That this place of the dead is not the place where you will find Jesus Christ. To their astonishment, they are greeted with the good news that Jesus was raised from the dead and because he was raised from the dead, we can live with the hope that death has been destroyed once and for all. That's why Jesus says in Revelation 1.18, I hold the keys of death and hell. To hold the keys in the ancient culture meant that you had victory, that you were the conquering war hero. You had the keys. And Jesus is declaring by way of his resurrection from the dead that I have defeated death once and for all. And that is good news for you and me this morning. Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, if you are found in Jesus today, you can live with the hope that death has been defeated, that the sting of death has been removed once and for all, that the death of death is found because of Jesus Christ. When we sang the song, Christ the Lord is risen today, do you know what we were doing? We were mocking death. We were looking death straight in the eyes and saying, death, you, because of Jesus and his resurrection, are not the final story that because Jesus rose from the dead, death for the Christian is not a dead end, but a prelude to a glorious future that has no end. I recently heard of a man who was paralyzed by the fear of death. He said that he would lie awake all night 
with the fear of death that it consumed him and gripped him and paralyzed him. He went to doctors and counselors to try to get over this phobia and this great fear of death. And it wasn't until he heard the good news of Jesus Christ that Jesus was dead, but now alive. When he heard that Jesus had defeated death once and for all, it was like a light went off and the fear subsided because he believed that death for the first time was not the end of his story, but the beginning of a future in the presence of God that will have no end. The great John Flavel said this, that death is harmless to the people of God. Death has been defanged because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And on this Easter morning, if you are in Christ, you mock death and you applaud life. Because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we can celebrate the death of death once and for all. But not only do we see the promise that death has been defeated, the second paradigm-shattering truth is the restoration of hope. When the women came to the tomb that first Easter morning, they were not coming to sing the Hallelujah Chorus. These were women, along with the apostles, that had lost all hope. All that Jesus had promised, all that Jesus had done, seemed like it was rapidly vanishing away. They were utterly hopeless in their state of despair. And you can imagine that first Easter Sunday morning when they are greeted with the good news that there is all the reason to restore your hope, that there's all the reason to rejoice, that there's all the reason to remain your, retain that hope in Jesus Christ and everything that he had promised you. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, our hope can be restored You see, the Bible tells us that our greatest problem is sin. And because of sin, we have been separated from a holy God. But because Jesus has defeated death and defeated sin, the hope of being reunited and reconciled with God can be made possible that though we have been estranged from God, that we can actually, through Jesus Christ, be called children of God, not because of our goodness, not because of our righteousness, but because Jesus was raised from the dead, our hope can be restored. But it's not just hope in the spiritual, it's hope in the physical. When Jesus is raised from the dead, his earthly, bodily, physical resurrection. It is sending a signal to the world that God has not resolved to send this world to hell in a handbasket, that God is redeeming and restoring all things spiritually and physically, that this, the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the dawn of new creation, giving a broken world hope beyond all hope. It means for every broken marriage today, if you are found in Jesus Christ, believe that you can have the hope of resurrection at work in your marriage. For parents struggling with your prodigal child, hope in the resurrection is restored. For those that are dealing with health and ailing bodies, the resurrection restores that hope that spiritually and physically our hope is restored 
in the finished work of Jesus Christ and the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. I recently heard the story of a woman who was abandoning their marriage and she had enough of the marriage and enough of her husband and she didn't believe that their marriage could be reconciled. She didn't believe their marriage could be restored. And finally, after going from counselor to counselor, she sits down with a Christian counselor and the Christian counselor asks the wife, do you believe that Jesus was raised from the dead? And she said, of course. Then how in the world can you fail to believe that God doesn't have the power to restore and redeem your broken marriage? Listen to me. I don't know what you're facing this morning. I understand for some of you the brokenness in your life is enormous. But if Jesus was raised from the dead and you believe that God has that type of power, believe that that same resurrection power can be exhibited in your life today. That there is no one and nothing that is beyond the power of resurrection and beyond the power of Christ's redemption. God raised his son from the dead and he can raise your life from the dead as well. If the resurrection didn't happen, then all bets are off. But if it did, we can sing, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because of the resurrection, we believe in the death of death. We believe in the restoration of hope. And third and lastly, we believe in the confirmation of grace. The angels confirm the message of Jesus to the women. In verse six and seven, the angels say he's not here. But remember, remember how he told you while you were still in Galilee that the son of man, verse seven, must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, be crucified, and on the third day rise The angels are teaching the women and reminding the women the teaching of Jesus Christ that Jesus had to die and he had to be raised. Why? So that we could experience the grace of God. The teaching of the cross and the teaching of Jesus' resurrection always go together. You see, without the resurrection, all the promises of Jesus are in vain. It's why the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, if Christ was not risen from the dead, then you and I are still in our sins. The resurrection of Jesus Christ is the confirmation of God the Father that he has fully and finally accepted the substitutionary atonement of his son, Jesus Christ. All the promises of God. And all the promises of God through Jesus Christ on the cross are in vain and they mean nothing if Jesus wasn't bodily raised from the dead on that third day. It is the confirmation of the grace of God through the person and work of Jesus Christ. It's interesting in verse 11, we're told that the apostles dismiss the testimony of the women calling it idle talk. They all dismissed it, except for one. In verse 12, it says, one of the apostles ran to the empty tomb. Who was it? None other than Peter. 
Why would Peter run with the news that Jesus has been raised from the dead? You remember the story of Peter. It was just a few days earlier that he had denied his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, not once, not twice, but three times. You can imagine the state that the apostle Peter was in, in his shame and in his sin, thinking that he would go down as the apostle that would live in infamy, denying and turning his back on Jesus Christ, that this is how he would be remembered. I believe he ran to the tomb that day because he was desperate for grace, desperate to hear that he could be restored, desperate to receive forgiveness, desperate to believe that all the things Jesus promised would come true. And just as Peter ran to the tomb that first Easter Sunday morning, desperate for good news and desperate for the grace of God, I pray that many here today would run to that empty tomb as well. I pray that many here today, desperate for grace and desperate for good news as you are in your sin today, would run to Jesus Christ and you would cast yourself upon him and believe upon him, understanding that you have no hope apart from the good news that Jesus was dead and now alive. This is the good news of Easter. But here at Coral Ridge Presbyterian Church, we preach the message of Easter 51 Sundays out of the year in addition to Easter Sunday because we believe that we are dead in our sin. And the reason we preach the Easter message the other 51 Sundays a year is dead people don't need a pep talk. Dead people need resurrection. And you need resurrection this morning as well. Although your sin may be great, God's grace is greater. This is the hope that we have. The death of death, the restoration of hope, and the confirmation of God's grace for sinners like you and like me. There was a young man who entered seminary, and it was tradition at his seminary on the first day of classes to have what many seminaries and even institutions like ours, Knox and Westminster Academy, have convocation. And the pastor that was leading the ceremony of that convocation noticed a young man in the front row that was an incoming seminarian student. And so after the convocation, he invited this new student out to lunch, and he said, tell me a little bit about yourself. And he said, my life was a train wreck. I made my parents' life a living hell. I was so bad at age 16, I was kicked out of my house and put into a mental institution. After a year there, I figured out a way to break out and sneak off, and I ran all the way to Chicago, where I lived on the streets. One night, I mugged a businessman who was traveling the streets of Chicago, stole his credit card, and went on a spending spree until the police caught me. I was arrested, and I was sent to prison for three years. While in prison, an older man took me under his wing. He was a Christian, and every night, he would read the scriptures to me. And one night before lights out, he was reading from the Gospel of Luke, that story of the lost sheep. And as he read the story of the lost sheep, 
It was as if Jesus entered that cell, threw me to the ground, and brought me back to life. After three years of prison, I walked out a new man. I got my college diploma, went to college, high school diploma, went to college, and then entered this seminary because I wanted to dedicate the rest of my life to telling the world about the good news of Jesus Christ. In closing, he said, I bet preachers like you are always looking for a good story for their sermons. And I bet it's hard with Easter coming up to come up with another good story about why the resurrection's true. Well, I've got one for you, me. I'm your proof that Easter is true. Listen to me. If you are here today and you believe in Jesus Christ, you are living proof that Easter is true because it takes a resurrection. It takes a resurrection of God to see you as a living testimony of God's amazing grace. But many of you here today don't know Jesus and you've never experienced resurrection. And I am here today in closing to tell you that today could be your day of resurrection where everything changes forever. That Easter Sunday 2023 could be the day that you are brought back to life. That the blinders come off. That you could experience the grace of Jesus Christ, no matter how broken your life is, no matter how lost you are, no matter how far you have run, no matter how great your sin, believe this, because of the resurrection, God's grace is greater. So what's your decision today? In the Gospel of Matthew, it said, many doubted, but some believed. Would you be a part of those that would believe? To believe is simple. To believe means that you simply acknowledge that you are a sinner in need of salvation, that you repent from all of the ways in which you've tried to fix yourself and save yourself. You repent of your self-righteousness and you acknowledge that you are incapable of saving yourself. Secondly, you look to Jesus alone as your only hope, as the savior of sinners. And third, you transfer your trust and that you stop trusting in yourself and you trust in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation. The Bible tells us if you today confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe it in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There are individuals here today and watching at home that need to be saved, and you can because of Jesus Christ. In a few moments, I'm going to pray, and I'm going to lead you in a simple prayer that you can talk to God for the first time, and then following the service, I will be in the back along with members of our prayer team. Would you come find us and say, today's the day I believe, today's the day that I became born again. Today's the day that I was raised to newness of life because of the resurrection. Listen to me clearly. Apart from the resurrection and the salvation that is offered in Jesus Christ alone, you have no hope. But because Jesus was raised from the dead 2,000 years ago, 
You have endless hope. You find your salvation in Jesus Christ and you will live with an utter hope forever, a glorious future that has no end. If there is no resurrection, then death is the end of the story. You live and you die and that's it. And that would be true, except for one thing. Because of the resurrection, death is simply a prelude to a glorious future that has no end. Because of this, Jesus rising from the dead, it changes everything, and it can change everything for you this morning. Amen? Let us pray. Our Father and our God, Lord, on this Easter Sunday morning, there are some here today and some watching at home that have never experienced the salvation that alone is offered in Jesus Christ. If you're here today or listening to this message and you feel the Holy Spirit prompting you, prompting you to say yes to Jesus, would you simply say this, Lord Jesus Christ, I admit that I'm a sinner. I now admit that I cannot save myself. I repent of my sins. I repent of all the ways that I have tried to live as if you don't exist. All the ways that I have tried to save myself. And I now realize for the first time that it is only through the finished work of Jesus Christ, his death and his resurrection, that I can find salvation. I confess you as Lord. I receive you as my Savior. I want to be born again. I want to be known by you. I want to be found by you. I forever want to be a part of your family. Because you have been raised from the dead, I know that my life can be raised from the dead as well. So may that same resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead 2,000 years ago come into my life and my heart making me a new creation so that I can say the old is gone and the new has come and that I will forever live in the presence of God and experience life to the full. Now and forevermore, Father, receive me for the first time as a child of God. We pray all this in the matchless name of Jesus Christ, Savior of sinners the one who was raised from the dead. Amen and amen.